You may be seated for our scripture reading. As the weeks have gone on, we've heard Jesus talking with his disciples as he's been kind of preparing them before his crucifixion. And here, uh, tonight's reading is really right in the middle of what's called his high priestly prayer. And so this is Jesus praying. Um, it's, again, the night before the crucifixion, and uh, we enter into that prayer with him. John 17, starting at verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is our Lord's Gospel. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening that you have given us, where we come to hear your word for us proclaimed, that you love us, that you have forgiven us in Jesus. And that we are yours because you've made us so. We pray, Lord, that at this time you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds and that you would work by your spirit to point us to your word of truth in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You are the answer. How often have you heard that? You're the answer. If you have a problem going on, you have to dig down deep within yourself and find your inner strength. Look down deep and find out who you really are. Take a walk, find yourself. Take some years or time, and you're the answer to whatever's going on. If you're not making enough, work harder. If you aren't happy enough, try harder. And find some bit of joy to where you are able to live in a way in which you are happy. You're the one that gets to choose whatever's going on in life. Listen to any talk show, any motivational poster really any ad, right? You do you. You be the one who is in the center of all things. You be the one that's in charge. You're the answer to everything that's going on. And as I said those words with three confirmands sitting in front of me, I could see all three of them start to tilt their head like a Labrador and going, wait a minute. That's not what we've heard the last three years as we've been in confirmation. That doesn't make sense based on what we've read in Scripture. None of that is adding up. Pastor, why are you standing up there telling us we're the answer when you tell us all the time that we're not? So it was kind of confusing for them. But how often have you heard those words? I mean, we hear it often. You see, those are words that the world has to give. I mean, if the world really doesn't have anything outside of itself to give you for hope or comfort, so if a world 
that doesn't believe in God or anything supernatural or anything from outside of you, what else do they have to give you? You and whatever you've got inside. And if I was dependent upon that, it probably would have broken down a long, long time ago. Because inside here, on my own, without God is not a good place. And I'm sure you've all walked that road. At one time or another, there are many times that are joyful and many times that are wonderful, but every now and then we get to a point where we feel lonely and need somebody else to speak into our lives. And when we are told to just go deeper within ourselves, it's a place that we rarely ever want to go. But you are the answer. And I'm sure you're trying to figure out to what. Because if you're the answer, what's the question, right? (laughs) if you're the answer to something what's the issue going on what is it that you are the answer to if we know it's not for all of the other situations in life because we pray all the time as christians for god to bring somebody else or his word into our lives to handle the things that we can't handle because we know we're not the answer for those things and we depend upon something from outside of us to answer those deep questions of life what are, the, what are you the answer to? You are actually the answer to prayer. Specifically, Jesus' prayer. So that gospel text that we read through, like I said in the intro, is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And he is praying out loud to the Father so the disciples can hear him. And he's praying specifically for the disciples. In that moment, before the crucifixion, he is saying, Father, you have given them into my hands and you have given me your name and I have given them your name. And in John's beautiful poetic way, he turns it around with a whole bunch of words to basically get across the point that Jesus has loved them. And he knows that him going away is going to scare them to death and that they will be afraid. And that the world is going to come to them and hate them because they carry a word that the world does not understand. And as their life is shaped by that word of truth from God that Jesus handed over to them so freely, and as their life is shaped by that word, the world's going to say, you're nuts. That doesn't make any sense. And then they're going to persecute them. Now, Jesus does not ask for the Father to take them out of the world. And that's where we start to get a little closer to why you're the answer to prayer. See, Jesus prayed that God would leave them in the world knowing that they're not of the world because they are now shaped by God's word and not a worldly word. But he doesn't say take them out of the world. He says leave them there, but protect them, Father, from the evil one. Protect them from Satan. Protect them so that they would not be led into temptation, but that they would be delivered from all evil. Protect them, Father, because they are yours, because they've been shaped by your word, because they carry your name, Father. They carry our identity, Father. Protect them. Why? So that they could preach about Jesus. 
so that they could pass down the truth of the Word, so that they could hand down from generation to generation the truth that God, the Creator of the universe, loves His creation and has done something about the corruption in it, so that when people are alone and walking in darkness, God said, I'm going to walk into your life and bring joy and light because I'm going to give you hope of eternity. See, if they had been taken out of the world, everything that Jesus had given them would stop. Would have ended. But it didn't. And you know how I know that? You're sitting you're sitting here because someone in your life has spoken God's word into your ears so that you would be shaped by that very same word of truth that was given to the disciples. And as the disciples heard it and then preached it, especially next week when we go through Pentecost, and you'll get to hear more about that, when thousands upon thousands are hearing God's word in their very own language, they preached God's word in its entirety that that word of truth would then land in other ears and God would work by His Holy Spirit to work through those people who heard it as they went on to hear and speak that word into other people's lives. And throughout the generations, all of that got summed up in something we say almost every single worship service. And if we don't say it, it's because we're having a baptism or confirmation. But we walk through the Apostles' Creed, a statement of belief, of teaching of everything that the apostles taught, focused in upon who our God is for us. See, if all of God's people were taken out of the world, then all the people that need to hear of God's word would have no way to hear it. So you are an answer to prayer. You're an answer to Jesus' prayer. Because God protected the apostles and he protected all of those whom they handed down that word of truth to until it got into your ears. And he protects his word. And he protects those who carry his word. Now, he doesn't protect them from all suffering and disease and persecution and torment, not by any means, because Jesus even says in the midst of that prayer, the world is going to hate you. But don't fear. I've overcome the world. That comes a little later. In the book, right? You're not of the world. Our hope doesn't lie within the world. So whatever the world brings, whatever it wants to bring, whatever Satan and the evil one want to bring into our lives to try and deter us from God, we can look at him and say, no, Jesus is bigger and has defeated you, Satan. And my hope doesn't lie within the things I can tangibly see right now. My hope lies within a promise. A promise that God made to Adam and Eve, a promise that God fulfilled in Christ, and a promise that was placed upon me in baptism as... God's name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is poured upon my forehead as I carry God's name, as you carry God's name. You carry that promise, and he has given you the faith to believe in that promise, to hold on to that promise, so that in all those dark places of life, you have a hope to hold on to. Because he's going to send you out into the world so that you could be the answer to somebody else's prayer. There's a lot of people in the world that need to hear God's word. There's a lot of people in the world that need to hear a little bit of light in the darkness. There's a lot of people in the world that need to 
hear of God's love for his creation. There's a lot of people that need to hear that they are forgiven of their sins on account of Christ and that it's not within themselves that they're going to find hope or not within themselves that they're going to find courage and not within themselves that they're going to find joy, but simply in the Son of God who has died for us, who has risen for us who is a sacrifice in our place so that he could hand over his righteousness to us and we would be counted as children of God. An answer to his prayer for the disciples. All by God's work, all by God's hand. And then he makes a promise and he says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again so all those dark things will be done away with. I'm coming again so that all those things will go away and that the worldly things that would deter us from God would be done away with and that this world would be made new and that Christ and God the Father and Holy Spirit, all three, God and one, would be present in the midst of creation once again, creator and creation, living in harmony. It's a beautiful prayer. And it's more than that. It's a beautiful promise. Because it will happen. As God has promised it in His Word. In His Word, is true. And it's that word that has been given to you. And I pray it's that word that you continue to hand down as life goes on. And it's that word that we're held on to in the love of God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have given us in your word. As you have revealed yourself to us that we would know of your love for us in Christ. And we pray that you guide us daily by your Holy Spirit that you would ever point our eyes to your word of truth, that in this world that we walk through, that you would protect us, that you would lead us and guide us in your grace and mercy until Christ comes again. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as...